We've been in a series called Courageous. Um, this is part six. I think we'll do a part seven, and then um, that'll be into this series. Um, but to introduce uh, this, this uh, message today, I'm going to tell a little story. There was a man in 1519, 1519 that set off to sail on the final leg of a journey from the shores of Cuba to the Yucatan Peninsula, which today is part of modern-day Mexico. This man's name is Hernando Cortez. He was a Spanish conquistador, or conqueror. Today we think, you know, conquer, that's kind of like a vocation back in the day. That was actually like a job description, a vocation. Today we think like, what a horrible job description. You just conquer things and take things from people. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad job, all right? But at the time, it was like, you know, you could be a butcher, you could be a baker, you could be whatever, or, or a conqueror. It was just the thing back then, right? In fact, before uh, Cortez was a conqueror, he was actually in law school, and I guess that job was too boring for him, so... He decided, I'm gonna be, I want to be a conqueror. So, but Cortez, on this final leg of this journey, he had at his disposal 500 soldiers, 100 sailors, 16 horses on 11 ships. And their goal was to take possession of the greatest treasure known to the world at that time. It was a, it was a, a treasure of gold, of silver, of artifacts um, that the Aztec Empire um, had accumulated over many generations. The problem with this plan was that for 600 years, army after army had tried to take the treasure and no one had been successful. They failed every time. So on the beaches of, of Cuba, before they set off on the final leg of this journey, um, Cortez gives them this pep talk. He's like, all right, guys, come close. Um, I want to tell you about how great the treasure is going to be. The treasure is going to be amazing. We're going to take the treasure. Your, your families are going to be better off. Generations are going to, they're going to grow up privileged. They're going to be better off um, if we take this. We're doing this for king. We're doing this for country. Like, and he, he pumped them up and said, we can do this. We're going to do this. And um, he gave these men a vision and a reason to fight. But then halfway from Cuba to the Yucatan Peninsula, these men who were so confident and so sure um, that they wanted to be, you know, here and now fighting, and they kind of um, turned out to be a bunch of whiners. <laughs> Mr. Cortez, I don't know if we're supposed to be here right now, you know, at this time, and Cortez is like, you know, frustrated these guys. So when they got to the shores of the Yucatan Peninsula, Cortez um, did something different um, that no one else had done before. Instead of just marching right in, he got them on the shores, and for, for several days, he lined them up and he kept giving them similar pep talks. Hey, the gold's going to be great. We're going to fight hard. Your families, gen future generations are going to benefit from this. He gave them future um, vision and kept casting that vision. He didn't just march right in. But then the day came, the day came that they're going to go get the treasure. And Cortez lines them up again on the beach for one, one final pep talk. And he said something that changed the course of history forever. He did something that no one else had done. He's like, all right, guys, come close. Everyone's listening. The gold's going to be amazing. We're going to fight hard. We're going to get the gold. Future generations are going to be better off for it. Come close. And then he said three words that changed the course of history. He's like, lean in, guys. All right. Burn the boats. And the men were like, Wait, which boat? You want us, we want us to burn their boats, right? We're going to go take the gold, burn their boats, right? No. He's like, no, let's, we're going to burn our boats. 
we're going to burn our ships. And I think the men were, maybe, maybe a close friend of Cortez, you can, I'll talk to him. I'll go, I'll, just a second, come here, Mr. Cortez. Hernando, can I call you Hernan? Come here. <laughs> Listen, we don't want to burn our ships because remember, we live in Spain and we need these ships to, you know, get back to where we live. And Cortez is like, no, burn the ships, burn our ships. If we're going home, we're going home on their ships. Burn the boats. And uh, so they did. They burned their own ships. They torched their own boats. And as a result, these whining, complaining men were highly motivated. (laughs) (laughs) They were very, very motivated, and they fought well. And for the first time in 600 years, where army after army had failed, they walked in and they were able to take the gold. They took the treasure. So my question for us here today is, what are the boats in our life? What are the things that are floating the excuses in our lives that we don't step into the things that God has called us to do and to be? What is preventing you from being the man or the woman that God has called you to be? What are the excuses There's something about burning the boats and there's something about eliminating plan B that just motivates you to have courage in that moment. It takes courage to burn boats. It takes courage to burn options. Amen? Title of my message today is Burn the Boats. All right. Easy. Something about eliminating options. There's something about taking out plan B. I was here last night. Um, we set up this pipe and drape all the way across. It was very pretty. And then I went home. I finished my sermon. I printed it. I shaved. I got in the shower. And I was in the shower, and I realized, oh, my gosh, the pipe and drape isn't set up for baptisms. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I can come in at 6 in the morning and switch this around, or I could just go in right now and, and get it done. So I was here last night, like after midnight, <laughs> making sure that this was ready for y'all today. Because I didn't want to come in at 6 in the morning. That was not an option for me. So if I miss any beats today, that's why. But I thought of a joke, at, like when I left after midnight. And I'm going to tell you that joke right now. What do you call a narcoleptic uh, conquistador? A conquista snore. All right. That was free from from 1 a.m. this morning right here. All right. I heard it was so bad, which means it was so good. All right. All right. Burn the boats. Burn the ships. What What are the boats in your life that need burned? What are the ships in your life that need burned? You know, many times in life, you and I were faced with decisions that... It's good versus evil. And, and those kind of decisions are not very hard. It's like A, B, good versus evil. I'm a Christian, following God. I'm going to choose good. I'm not going to choose evil. But the enemy of your soul, if he can get you to forfeit God's best for you, if he can get you to do in good at the expense of God's absolute best for you, he'll take that any day. He may not get, be able to get you to just, you know, throw your life away and go full bore like evil, right? What he might be able to do is, is get options before you. They're like, this is, this is good enough. And you will forfeit God's absolute best for you. 
how many times do people, they have a dream to do something, to start a business, to you know, do something amazing, and they're in a pretty good job that's pretty secure. It, you're, you know, you're making good money. It's providing for your family. It's hard to say, I'm going to quit this. I'm going to go back to school. I'm gonna, I need to leave this job. I'm going to have to suffer and, and, and you know, be a lower socioeconomic you know, state for a while so that I can step into the dream God has for me. I hope this message provokes you to step into God's absolute best for you today. My wife had mentioned here a minute ago, we were in, we were in college ministry for nine years. At the time, that was God's best for us. We had a season um, that was God's be- best for us for a season. And to, in 2016, we, we began to feel a shift in our hearts. It's like, oh no, this season's ending. This was my dream job, you know? This season's coming, to, you know, we just felt it in our hearts long before we transitioned. And that was, I've, I said this in our belong class, but that was a bit of a crisis for me because I liked that job, you know? And I, was, I say this often, I was too young for a midlife crisis, I was too old for a quarter-life crisis, but it was something in the middle of a crisis for me. But, and, and I'm like, church planning, church planning is rolling around in the back of my mind. I was like, I'm going to have to deal with boards and budgets and bylaws and all these different things. That I don't have to handle, you know, granted, they didn't bring good food, but we also didn't have to worry about a lot of other things that, that a church does. And anyway... There came a day where we had to say, okay, enough of this. We're not going to go back to college ministry. We're not going to stay in college ministry. We have, to, we have to get, that was good for a season. That was God's best for a season. It's only good now, but to step into God's best, we have to take a risk. It was a huge risk. And here we are. It's the same with you. It's the same with everyone. We want to step into God's best. And I can honestly say, starting a church, it's not easy. This is, in fact, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. But it's also the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And that's the same with you. When you step into God's best, when you step out to do God's best for you, it's going to be the most rewarding thing you've stepped into. I want to talk about, actually in the sermon, I wanted to highlight three boats that we all need to burn to step into God's best. And I started, this sermon started getting longer and longer. I'm just going to do point one today, okay? And uh, next week, I'm going to kind of do a part two to this message, and we'll, we'll cover the other two, unless God gives me more, then it'll be three or four, who knows? So... The first boat that everyone needs to burn to step into God's fullness is the boat of their past. The boat of your past. You gotta burn the boat of your past, okay? So many times people are paralyzed from moving forward because of the things they did or didn't do or the things that were done to them. Those, are all, those all exist in the past. Things you did, things you didn't do. Things that were done to you. Those all exist in the past. Many times people are paralyzed by you did by something you didn't do. Something that was done to you. If you live in your past, you will not step into the fullness of what God has for you today and tomorrow. And how many, how many here you felt disqualified at times from something you did or something, come on, from something you did, something that was done to you, something you didn't do, you felt disqualified. I remember thinking before we got into college ministry, you know, man, I, I wanted to be a pastor, but that thing, you know. <laughs> oh, I wanted to start a church, but I don't know. that. I don't know if I can get over that thing, you know what I mean? I don't know if I can move forward, right? Paul had a really good way of talking about the things of the past. I love this so much. Philippians 3.13-14, he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself 
yet to have taken a hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen, the Apostle Paul, he said, I forget, I'm forgetting the things which are behind me. I'm going to strain towards the things which are before me. But the Apostle Paul had huge reasons to feel like he was disqualified from being an apostle, right? He like persecuted the church big time, like locked up Christians, put them in chains, had them beat, and actually consented at the martyrdom of some of them. Like that's a, that's a, pretty, big, that's a pretty big one. If he had taken that on to become, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't do this, because of his past, he would have never stepped into writing two thirds of the New Testament. What a blessing for us today. <clears throat> But I want to say something about it. This is what God says about your sins once you place your faith and trust in Jesus. This is going to be good for some people. This is what God says about your sins once you place your faith and trust in Jesus and turn away from those things. Psalms chapter 103, verse 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. I don't know how far the east is from the west, but, but suffice to say, they're out of sight, okay? They're out of sight. In other words, God's saying, I don't see your sin. I've, I've, I've washed away your sin. I don't see your sin. I'm not recognizing your sin anymore. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God is saying, I see you as spotless as I see Jesus. That's hard for some of you to take in, but God sees you. When you have your faith, you're washed in the blood of Jesus. You've identified with his death, burial, resurrection. God sees you with the same purity and holiness that he sees his son, Jesus. That's a good word right there. Check this out. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. It says this. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Let's settle this. Can we talk about this? Can we reason together? Can we have a chat, right? Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. God is saying, hey, I know, I know what's holding you back. I know what's holding you back from your potential in me. It's your sin. But listen, let's, let's talk about, can we talk about this? Can we, hey, let's have a seat. Let's get a chair out. Let's have a seat. Can we talk about this? Let's reason together. Because God doesn't want this holding you back from what he has for you in the future. He wants the issue of sin and shame to be dealt with so that you can move forward and shine for him in this world. It doesn't do him any good for you to be walking around full of shame and guilt all the time, right? He wants that junk off of us so that we can be free. He wants us free. He doesn't... <laughs> yeah, okay. He doesn't want guilt over us. He doesn't want shame over us. He wants those things washed away so that we can shine for him. And that we could enjoy his presence, enjoy life. Amen? Can we chat about this? We need to burn this boat called your past once and for all. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. This is the contemporary English version. I love this, this, the way it says this. I, the Lord, invite you to come and talk it over. Your sins are scarlet red, but they will be whiter than wool. Or snow. Let's talk about it. Can we sit down? God's like, can you imagine this? God's like, I know, you're running away. You know what Adam and Eve did when they sinned? They hid from God, right? Like, and God had to find them, you know? Adam's, you know, God's walking through the garden. Adam, where are you? You know, if God can't find you, you're really lost, right? Okay. <laughs> Think about that. God can't find you. You lost. Okay. <laughs> But their, their natural inclination after they ascend was to hide. And this is kind of a litmus test for how much you um, understand and believe in the finished work of the cross. But when you have a little, like, 
stumble along the way, you know what I mean? Do you have to, let me ask you this question, can you turn right around and run into Father God's arms? Or do you like need a, a sabbatical of cleaning yourself up for a couple of weeks before you want to approach God and read your Bible and worship again, right? I, I heard this, saw this quote um, on Instagram the other day, and it was, um, I might butcher it, but it, religion says, oh no, I messed up, my father's going to kill me. Oh no, I messed up, my father's going to kill me. Relationship says, oh no, I messed up, I need my father. Come on. When we mess up, it's like, oh, I messed up, I need my father. That should be your your reaction. You should be able to run to him. God is looking for you. That shame thing, that's a good litmus litmus test of how well you understand the finished work of the cross. Because when you stumble along the way, which happens... You can get right back up and say, God, forgive me. I thank you. That's not my identity. That's not who I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God, will you help me with this? Will you help clean this this off of me? Will you help me walk up here? I know that you love me. I know you have a plan for me. And just move forward. Amen? It's good stuff. So one thing that can hold us back is our past mistakes, the mistakes that we make. And we just need to know once and for all those issues are settled. The things you did, things you didn't do, things that were done to you. Oddly enough, the other thing about our past that can hold us back is actually our successes. So I'm maybe talking to a little bit of a different group now. Oddly enough, your successes of your past can be something that holds you back just as much as your mistakes of the past. Listen, Paul in, in Philippians, when he says, I forget those things which are behind, I press on to, to, um, to those things which are ahead. Forgetting those things which are behind. In the context of that scripture, he does list a couple things that you know, that would disqualify him or things, mistakes he made. But the primary things he lists are actually his successes. And many times it's our successes that hold us back from moving forward. Let's read this, um, Philippians 3, 4 through 8. It says this. This is Paul, Paul's resume. He's a good Jewish man here. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day. That was a big deal, being circumcised on the eighth day for Jewish people. God commanded them to do it. By the way, sun, fun science fact that uh, vitamin K levels peak on the eighth day, and um, your, your immunity and your ability to coagulate are much higher on the eighth day. So God's really smart, isn't he? Okay. So if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Verse 7, but whatever things were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, rubbish, whatever, that I may gain Christ. He says, even the things... I mean, Paul was like known. He was like, he had it, right? He had successes. He was known in his community. He was doing well. He said, even those things I consider a lot, even those things aren't going to hold me back from moving into what God has for me now. Many times it's our successes that hold us back from stepping into what God has has next for us. Sometimes it's the good old days that we just keep longing for, the good old days that keep us from seeing what God has for us ahead. Check this verse out. Ecclesiastes 7, 10, it says this. <laughs> Don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. It's not wise to sit around and be like, I just wish 
It was 20 years ago. I wish it was 10 years ago. Oh, when I had that job. Oh, when I had that relationship. He says, don't long for the good old days. It's not wise because you're missing out on here and now and your future. Amen? So I don't know if you're here and you're like, I was so successful and I had this job. I, I got fired or whatever. Like, don't long for those good old days. God has something new for you. It's not wise. Even if your perception of those days were good. Because honestly, you don't know if they were good. <laughs> because honestly, God has a different way of weighing what is valuable and what's not valuable. Maybe they weren't good as you think. Maybe what you're in now, in his eyes, is more valuable, even though it's maybe less uh, prestigious. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> a good example of um, someone who lives in the past. How many have seen Napoleon Dynamite? Well, you're about to. So, I've got a clip. From Uncle Rico. This is a guy in Napoleon Dynamite. This is a guy who lives in the past. I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Watch this. Ah. Ah. What the heck are you doing? That's what I'm talking about. I gotta go. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? Yeah, coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. You better believe things would have been different. I'd have gone pro. In a heartbeat, I'd be making millions of dollars and living in a big old mansion somewhere. You know, soaking it up. In a hot tub with my soul mate. Kill. I reckon you know a lot about cyberspace. You, you ever come across anything like time travel? Easy. I've already looked into it for myself. <laughs> right on. That's Kip. Or no, that's Uncle Rico. Uncle Rico lives in the past. He wishes it was 82. He misses big opportunity. Um, Bryson, do you have your, your Leatherman's jacket? Go ahead, and, go ahead and put it on. I just want to... I asked him to bring this. I don't have a Leatherman's jacket. I threw mine away. Okay, but he still has his. Because it's a little tight on you, bro. It's a little tight on you. That's awesome. Now, there are, there are people... They, you know, they wear their Letterman's jacket a little too long after high school or whatever. They're living the glory days a little too long. And to be fair, Bryson was a two-time state champion, so that's kind of cool. But, but <laughs> I threw mine out. Um, listen, people live in their past. Their past successes can hold you back from stepping in to what God has for you today. Every once in a while, it's good to wake up and say, these are the good old days. These are the good old days. Wake up and say that everyone's time. These are the good old days. Look at this. Luke chapter 9, verses um, 63. Jesus says this. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in God's kingdom. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for, God's, for service in God's kingdom. You know what happens when you're, when you're plowing and you look back? I'll show you. And you start going in a circle because there's an animal leading 
And when you look back and you're trying to plow, you're trying to be productive in this season, in this time of your life, you're going to start going in circles. How many want to go in circles? No, we want to go forward, right? Okay. Hand to the plow. Keep your hand to the plow. Keep your hand forward. Sometimes it's harvest time. It's plant time. We want to keep I want to talk about next week. Um, but I'll conclude with this. I'll conclude with this. This is burning the ships. And I just want you guys to let this marinate in you. What are the things that are floating the excuses in your life that are holding you back? It might be your past. It might be your failures. It might be your successes. And we're going to cover a couple other things that are holding you back. But I have an illustration that, um, that I want to give. It worked well for me. Last summer, I... I ran a 40-mile ultra marathon from Crested Butte to Aspen. There were 6,000 feet of climbing in it. It was a big day. And I, made, I set this goal to run this race. And I had built up pretty good aerobic base and had a pretty good volume. But one thing I was actually lacking in my training is I needed to put in some really big efforts, like days where I just put in really high, high miles, like 20-plus miles. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run 20 miles today. you know. And I would go to run 20 miles, and it'd be night, and I'd leave from my house, and I would go run, and I'd get like 10, 12 miles, and I'm like, I'm over this, I can't do this tonight, I'd go home, right? A few days later, I'm like, okay, I gotta do, I gotta get some of these, you know, extended long efforts in, 20 miles. I'd leave from my house, I'd run around, you know, run 10, 12, 14, whatever. I'm like, oh, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm gonna go home. And I, and I wasn't getting these efforts that I needed, so one day, I said to Emily, um, babe, I need you to drop me off in Windsor. <laughs> because why? I need to run home, and I need to burn the ships, and burn all my options. Like, to get home, I have to run home. And so she dropped me off on the far side of Windsor on the Poudre River Trail, and I ran like 23 miles to get home. I had no other options. I had to run to get home. Listen, burn the ships in your life. What are the things holding you back? from stepping in to God's best for you. I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll, we'll close the service here. Father, I thank you for every individual in this room. God, I thank you that there is an amazing plan, purpose, and destiny you have for us. I pray, God, whatever those things are, God, whatever the excuses that are holding us back from being the man or being the woman of God that you've called us to be, I pray, God, we would identify those and burn those ships, Lord God. Some of you, maybe you're here, some of you need to delete an app on the phone or delete a contact in your contact list. Some of you need to quit a job. Some of you need to sign up for a class. And I just pray, God, that you would um, provoke and stir us to do the things you've called us to do, Lord. I bless everyone here, and I thank you, God, that our past is buried with Christ Jesus, and we're resurrected in you, God. We bury the past, and I just bless everyone with that. In Jesus' name, amen.